This show is brought to you by HelixSleep.com. Sleep is absolutely critical, especially as you get older, but no two people sleep alike. That's why Helix offers several different mattress models, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. Go to HelixSleep.com slash DailyWire and take their sleep quiz to find a mattress made for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, a stomach sleeper, a hot sleeper, or a cold sleeper, Helix has you covered. I took the Helix sleep quiz and was matched with a Helix Midnight mattress because I want a medium firmness and a sleep on my side. So far, my new mattress is a godsend. Don't want to take my word for it, Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Take the quiz and order the perfect mattress right to your door, shipped for free. It's so quick and fun to unbox, you won't believe how well you sleep. All Helix mattresses come with a 100-night trial and a 10- or 15-year warranty. Helix even offers financing options and flexible payment plans. A great night's sleep is just a few clicks away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailywire and use code helixpartner20. That's helixsleep.com slash dailywire, code helixpartner20. Today on the Matt Walsh Show, infamous male TikToker Dylan Mulvaney had a star-studded extravaganza in New York celebrating his day 365 of girlhood. The entire Daily Wire lineup made an appearance during the show. We'll play the clip and talk about it. Joe Biden lashes out at those who want to protect children from abuse, calling us sinful. The president also uses an alleged letter from a child to promote the gender wage gap myth. Netflix quietly cancels its kids show featuring a non-binary bison. In our daily cancellation, a conservative author is ruthlessly mocked by the left for not being able to define the word woke. But since when is the left in any position to make fun of anyone else for not being able to define a word? We'll talk about all that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show. I'm sure you've all heard about the Silicon Valley bank failure by now. It was the second largest bank failure in history and seems to be signaling an even bigger problem with our entire banking system. Things are extremely turbulent right now, and the stock market hates turbulence. You need to diversify at least some of your assets, therefore, into precious metals. Gold is a tangible asset with a reliable store of value because it's not tied to any one economy or currency. It can be a safe haven in times of crisis. Uh, like right now, for example. Birch Gold makes it easy to roll over your IRA or 401k into an IRA backed by physical gold and silver. Right now, if you buy gold, you can uh, get a free safe to store it in. That's right, on qualifying purchases now through March 31st, Birch Gold will ship a free safe directly to your door. If you want to find out more about that, you have to text Walsh to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold and to claim eligibility for your free safe as well. With your retirement at stake, you want to be confident in the financial service companies that you work with, including whoever you choose to uh, for purchasing physical precious metals as well. Text Walsh to 989898 and protect your savings with gold today. This week, uh, male performance artist Dylan Mulvaney celebrated his day 365 of womanhood. Actually, I need to correct myself. He calls it girlhood, not womanhood, because this grown adult man is very specifically imitating an adolescent girl. Uh, it was day 365 of girlhood then, to be precise. And uh, I guess I need to correct myself again because it was actually day zero of girlhood. He has experienced precisely zero days of being a girl or a woman. A year from now, he'll still be sitting at zero days. Another year after that, still zero days. A year after that, zero days. And when he dies, he will leave this earth a man with zero days spent being anything other than a man. And when archaeologists dig up his bones centuries from now, they will know that they are the bones of a man. They won't know the preferred pronouns of the bones. They won't know anything about the bones except that they belong to a human male. When everything else is forgotten about Dylan Mulvaney, and everything else will be forgotten about Dylan Mulvaney, the only fact that will remain is the one fact he wants us to forget. So with those caveats, we turn to Mulvaney's Day 365 celebration at the Rockefeller Center. Commemoration really uh, began a day before when Mulvaney appeared on Drew Barrymore's talk show and sat there with a pleased expression on his face when Barrymore literally knelt at his feet and paid tribute to the trans deity. He went from there to the red carpet and an even more adoring crowd. His day 365 included uh, celebrity guests and big musical numbers. He uh, pranced around on stage and he basked in the applause of an adoring crowd who had all come out to congratulate him for pretending to be a girl for the past year. A fawning article in Rolling Stone tells us that Mulvaney spent a week rehearsing his uh, Day 365 performance, 
It also tells us that he started developing the concept six months ago, which means that Mulvaney had only been, quote unquote, transitioning into a, quote unquote, girl for six months when he decided that his transition needed to be celebrated with a star-studded gala in New York. But not everyone who starred in the show chose to be a part of it. In fact, um, as it turns out, I made a cameo appearance along with the entire rest of the Daily Wire crew because every good show needs a villain, and that was our role to play. Watch. Things are going really well. Like, I just had my first dance as a girl, and, oh, I can pay my bills, and I'm building up a following, and I feel supported, and you know what? I'm feeling lucky. Let's Google my name. Dylan Mulvaney is intentionally degrading women every time he does this woman face minstrel show routine. He is insulting and demeaning them and doing it on purpose and, he, and profiting off of it. And he doesn't care. If that is the most attractive you will ever look, then I don't even want to imagine what you'll look like when you're at your ugliest. Documenting his creepy, fetishized version of what it means to be a girl. Well, Dylan Mulvaney has had some surgery to make his face look more like Bruce Jenner's. Dylan Mulvaney has just given the best proof yet that transgenderism broadly, or at very least the type of transgenderism that he suffers from, is a sexual fetish. I just want to stop it there just for a second and say that this comment from Michael Knowles is way beyond the pale. I mean, how could you accuse this man of engaging in a sexual fetish? Is it because he has recorded videos singing about his penis bulge? Normalize the bulge. We are normalizing the bulge. Women can have bulges and that's okay. We're not going to stare at their crotches while they're wearing their little shopping shorts at the mall. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Okay, well, I guess that is pretty good evidence that this is a sexual fetish on second thought. Um, all right, so let's go back to the, the video then. Dylan is not a woman. Dylan is playing a caricature of a woman. That one can say he is a woman and become one of the most influential women in America in just six months of wearing dresses and ironing his hair. The patriarchy always wins, gang. Oh, and there is Dylan Mulvaney as Audrey Hepburn. The difference being that Audrey Hepburn was an actual woman with a vagina. I did. I showed it. What? Why would you give them even a second of your big day? Well, these are the people I have to deal with on a regular basis, so I thought I should include them in the evening. But that doesn't mean you have to listen to them. Well, I've always loved a little constructive criticism. Baby, there's nothing constructive about that. Right. And it's not just criticism, it's indoctrination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Trans and non-binary people have been around for thousands of years. <laughs> We have to pause it there again because, of course, that's total nonsense. Everything in the video is nonsense. But uh, this always deserves special mention. Billions of human beings lived on this planet for thousands of years. Civilizations rose and fell without anyone inventing anything that even vaguely resembled the modern notion of trans and non-binary. It didn't exist anywhere at all until a group of weirdo psychologists and sexologists in the mid-20th century made it all up. That's the actual history correctly told. My love, they want to silence us. They want to silence us and keep us in the matrix. Well, I think we've established that I really like to talk, so I don't think they're going to have the best luck silencing me. <laughs> Truthfully, I don't know what their goal is, but I do know how they make me feel now that I've built up a thicker skin. It doesn't hurt me. Do you want to feel how it feels? Do you want to know, know that it doesn't hurt me? Do you want to hear about the deal I'm making? My response going forward, it's not over-explaining myself. It's not pleading. It's, um, it's not expecting kindness from someone who has no kindness to give. My response is in the next joyous video that I make. That's my response. And if I only could, 
and make a deal with God, not get him to swap our places. Can we pause there? I'm going to say something that might make people feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, I'm trying really hard to maintain a relationship with God, and I don't think that he made a mistake with me. Um, and that maybe one day I will actually be grateful for being trans, that this isn't some curse, but it's just a different path to the same destination. Be running up that road, be running up that hill, be running up that building. If I only could oh. I'm sorry to cut that off because it's really quite powerful. Um, powerful for a few reasons. One, it proves that somebody can hit all the notes and still sound terrible. And also, uh, it proves all of the points that we have been trying to make about this man. After all, our entire criticism of Mulvaney is, is that he is not a woman, but rather a performer wearing womanhood as a costume. His idea of womanhood is what he learned from Disney cartoons. And how exactly does he respond to that charge? Well, by dressing up as a Disney princess and dancing around on stage and delivering a tearful monologue while singing, exactly as a Disney princess would. A monologue that, by his own admission, he has been rehearsing for a week as part of a performance he had planned six months ago, so his tears are then about as authentic as everything else about him, which is to say they are utterly contrived and staged, just more emotional manipulation meant to shut down valid criticism. I mean, imagine a man, you know, in blackface singing a self-pitying song about how his heart breaks whenever someone tells him that his costume is offensive to black people. There is no difference here. Mulvaney pretends that he doesn't understand the criticism. That's because the trans agenda runs exclusively on falsehoods, bad faith, and emotional blackmail. And Mulvaney exemplifies all three. He puts on a cartoonish performance of womanhood that is as degrading and absurd as possible. He monetizes the performance. He amplifies it through every platform available. And then when the criticism rightly comes his way, he acts like he's just some random person trying to live his private life in peace. Speaking of his critics, he says that he doesn't know what our goals are. Now, I think he does. But for the moment, I'll allow for the possibility that he's as stupid and oblivious as he wants us to think he is. And so I will explain. Our goal is to defend reality. And it really is not any more complicated than that. And here's one reality. No real woman will ever get a red carpet extravaganza at the Rockefeller Center to congratulate her for simply existing, okay? No real woman's going to get that for actually being a woman for a year. That's the kind of spectacle only reserved for Dylan Mulvaney, a privilege enjoyed by him and people like him. Why is that a problem? Well, for a lot of reasons, but I can illustrate uh, one of the reasons with uh, maybe a brief story. So I think about when our most recent set of twins were born. Uh, and uh, and I, I'll never forget the moment. Of course, two months ago, standing in the delivery room, first baby born successfully, no problems. Uh, but then the situation turns dire with the second. The doctor, unable to safely deliver because of a prolapse umbilical cord, has to make a split-second decision to perform an emergency C-section. Uh, it's, uh, there's a, a lot of blood. I, I'd never been in, a, in the room for any kind of operation before. I don't know exactly what I was expecting, but was expecting all that, the, the blood. And, um, and then there was my wife, you know, laying there calm, but shivering at several points on the verge of passing out. The only thing I could do was hold her hand and tell her the babies are okay and everything's going to be fine. And I did tell her that, even though for a period of several minutes, I wasn't sure if it was actually true. But everything was fine in the end. And uh, my wife has now taken on the task of caring for these two infants, along with four other children, with incredible grace and joy. And I'm not surprised to see her meet the challenge that way. She's a remarkable woman. I've always known that. That's why I married her. And yet, there will never be an event at the Rockefeller Center to celebrate my wife's womanhood. Okay? She's not going to have any adoring crowds flocking to bask in her presence and applaud her and fawn over her for being a woman. She knows more about being a woman than Dylan Mulvaney will ever know or could ever know. She's experienced womanhood at the deepest level. She, she bears its scars. 
literally. She carries its burdens. She knows its blessings. She's a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sister. She's all the things that Mulvaney and his ilk have never been and can never understand. And yet he is put on the stage with the spotlight and the corporate sponsorships. He is celebrated for being what he isn't. It's like giving the Medal of Honor to some dude who played Call of Duty in his basement. Now, it's not that my wife would want all of this fanfare. She's not a raging narcissist like Dylan Mulvaney. The point is simply that by elevating and celebrating these fake cartoon faux women, our society has emptied womanhood of everything that's truly beautiful and meaningful and important about it. And if there's any solace to women, they, they aren't alone in this boat, far from it. The same has happened with manhood. Uh, the same has happened with, with everything. All that is good and true is hollowed out and made artificial and absurd and ugly. You know, it's funny that one of uh, Dylan's cohorts on stage there says that we, his critics, uh, want to keep them in the matrix. Now, as always, the truth is exactly the other way around. Gender ideology is the matrix. What you just saw there on the screen, that's the matrix. It's, you know, I'm sad to say it's not nearly as cool as the movie version. But that's our version of the matrix, what you just saw. It is a fake alternate universe. It is an artificial projection meant to obscure reality. And we are urged to play along so as not to ruin the illusion. But we, some of us anyway, are tired of illusions. We are tired of the artificial. We are tired of imitations. We want reality. If we're going to celebrate womanhood, then we're going to celebrate the real thing. And that is not you, Dylan. And it never will be. Now let's get to our five headlines. You know, with everything going on in the world right now, you could really use a good night's sleep. That's why you need to check out Helix Mattress. I've had my Helix for years now, and uh, I absolutely love it. A mattress should never be a one-size-fits-all solution, because why should you uh, have to compromise on comfort? There makes no sense to do that. Helix has a sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you, because you don't want to buy a mattress that was made for somebody else. you got to go to helixsleep.com Walsh, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and you can find the perfect mattress for your body and sleep type. Your mattress will come right to your door for free. Helix has a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. I know that I did. For a limited time, Helix has given you 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Take advantage of this amazing offer at helixsleep.com Walsh. With Helix, better sleep starts now. All right, we'll begin uh, with this from, this is actually from last week. It's a report by KSTP in Minnesota. It says, Minnesota Governor Tim Walz uh, signed an executive order on Wednesday aimed at protecting the rights of Minnesota's LGBTQ plus community and access to gender-affirming health care. Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan joined Walz for the uh, signing ceremony at the Capitol shortly before 11 a.m., it comes as a few states around the country consider restricting drag shows. Tennessee's governor recently banned public drag performances, labeling them as adult cabaret. Several other states, including Idaho, North Dakota, Montana, and Oklahoma, are considering similar bans. Wall said that the, uh, the order directs state officials to work with healthcare officials to ensure access to gender-affirming care is available to everyone and also made clear that state won't cooperate with any other seeking to restrict the rights of or punish anyone in the LGBTQ plus community. So in other words, this is, this is the bill that we've talked about on the show, the um, sanctuary, essentially sanctuary state bill, turning Minnesota to a sanctuary state for uh, child castration and mutilation. And so abusive parents can bring their kid to Minnesota to, uh, to be abused in this way. And Minnesota is saying, we're not going to cooperate with any of the, the states that have made this, this kind of thing illegal. So that was the bill. But I want you to listen to what the lieutenant governor had to say at, at the signing ceremony as she was, um, you know, talking about the importance of being able to castrate and mutilate children. Here's what she said. Because let's be clear. This is life affirming and life saving health care. When our children tell us who they are 
It is our job as grown-ups to listen and to believe them. That's what it means to be a good parent. It's what it means to be a good parent is to listen to and believe whatever our children say. Now we hear this, we hear this kind of thing so often from uh, these people and, uh, but it, it still manages to be shockingly ridiculous every time we see it, you know, every time we hear it. Because it is, the job of a parent is so often to do exactly the opposite of that. To, to uh, in fact, that, that is always the job of the, it's always the job of the parent to not automatically believe whatever your kid says or go along with whatever they want to do. Now, there could be times when your kid says something that you should believe, because that happens plenty of times. Uh, or there, there can be like, plenty of occasions where a child wants to do something and you say, yes, that's a good idea, let's do that. But that should never be your automatic, reflexive stance. And least of all, should you believe it or go along with it just because they said it? All right, there is, I, I think there's a, there's a place, and some people in, you know, with, with the way uh, modern parenting strategies don't agree with this, but I would still say, because I'm somewhat old-fashioned, well, maybe not somewhat, that there's definitely a place as a parent for the uh, because-I-said-so reasoning to your child, where you say we're going to do something, you say something, and they don't agree that they ask why, and, and your, your response is, well, it's because I said so. And because, because now, if your child's asking questions in a, in a sincere way and they're really trying to understand, then you should try to explain it to them. But sometimes a child can, can go down the why rabbit hole or object, and it's just, a, it's just a way of being defiant. And so then you want to train the child to understand that they need to respect you and your authority. And even if they don't understand why they have to do something, um, they still shouldn't do it. Okay, if the child doesn't quite understand why they shouldn't run into the middle of the street, uh, it doesn't matter, don't run into the street because I said so. So that's parent to child because I said so. And yet these days that as I said, many people would say, well, that's, no, that's, that's authoritarian. You can't parent that way. Because I said so is never the appropriate response. And yet they want it to go the other way. Essentially, they think that that should be a valid uh, response from the child to the parent. Hey, mom and dad, we're going to do this. This is how I'm going to live my life. Uh, well, why do you, because I said so. It's because I said so. And, uh, and that means we, you have to go along with it. No, you, your job, you are, because, because the child doesn't have the capacity for discernment, certainly not a, a fully developed capacity, then it is your job to be that, to, you know, you, you are kind of pinch hitting uh, so often as the person who's able to engage in discernment. Um, so you have, to, you have to lend him your discernment powers, which means you're saying no a lot to a child. That's the way it has to go. So this is, it, it, it's not just completely ridiculous when it comes to this particular topic, although it is especially ridiculous and harmful there when it comes to the topic of gender ideology, but uh, across the board, it makes no sense at all. A similar, uh, similar topic here, Joe Biden this week spoke out against states that are banning child castration and sterilization. And uh, he had his own reasoning that he offered. Listen to this. Transgender kids is a really harder to thing. What's going on in Florida is, as my mother would say, close to sinful. I mean, it's just terrible what they're doing. It's not like, you know, a kid wakes up one morning and says, you know, I decided I want to become a man or I want to become a woman or I want to change. I mean, what, 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 what are they thinking about here? They're human beings. They love, they have feelings, they have inclinations that are, I mean, it, it just to me is, I don't know, it, it's cruel. And the way we do it is we make sure we pass legislation like we passed on same-sex marriage. You mess with that, you're breaking the law, and you're gonna be held accountable. So what he's, what he's actually saying here is, uh, if we're to skip right over the sinful part, which really we can't, we can't skip over that. I mean, this is, you know, 
yet again, the, the left going right to the moral argument. And for so long, uh, on the right and conservatives, they, they've told themselves that uh, we can't, you, you know, you don't want to make the moral argument. Moral argument's not persuasive. Uh, people don't, we don't want to legislate morality. We don't want to be accused of that. So we're always going to make the practical argument or the economic argument, the financial argument. Uh, we're going to make an argument rooted in rights and liberties, which is still a moral argument, by the way. All, I mean, all these are even the financial argument. It's an economic argument. It's always, a, in the end, a moral argument. But this is what the conservatives have been uh, convinced of, and for years have gone along with it. Got to make we got to make we got to make an argument that seems practical. Meanwhile, on the left, they go right for the moral argument every single time, and the religious argument too. They'll tell us not to do it. So if we say something, it's, oh, you're trying to shove your religion down our throat. And so often conservatives have, have, have been persuaded by this kind of manipulation. But then what do you hear from Biden? It's sinful. It is a sin. And what is he saying? It is a sin to not castrate a child. To not do that would be a sin. And since he brought it up, I mean, he's bringing sin into the conversation. Uh, I'd love to hear him flesh that out some more. Where, where are you getting that biblically? Please point to the point. Give me a chapter and verse here of, um, you know, the, 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 the part of, of Scripture that leads you to believe that we are, not only is it okay to castrate a child, but we're actually morally obligated to sterilize, castrate, mutilate children. Um, so he says it's sinful. And for that reason, he says it's sinful. And for that reason, um, what he's advocating now is the federal government to get involved and, uh, and step in and stop these states from passing these laws. That's the level that they're, they're playing. They're going to take their moral argument and they're going to translate that directly into legal action. And why are they going to do it? You know, why does he want the, the federal government to step in and say to Tennessee, for example, you're not allowed to pass a law like that? Why? Well, because it's, it's the right thing to do, they say. So they go right to the moral argument, and we, we, in effect, surrender that ground to them, which we absolutely shouldn't do. And our response is, why shouldn't you be doing these things to children? Well, to begin with, it's, it's wrong. It is morally wrong, uh, and it is grounded in falsehood. This is also funny from Joe Biden. Um, an alleged letter from a child, though based on the uh, handwriting and spelling, it looks like something could have easily written to himself. But we can put the tweet up on the, uh, on the screen. So this is what he tweeted out. First, the letter. It's a screenshot of the letter. It says, Dear President Biden, I just wanted to tell something not fair to ladies. Men are getting more money than girls. I think you should fix this since you're the president. Even I'm a child, and I think that we should do something. From Charlotte. And then Biden responds, Charlotte, I couldn't agree more. Women lose thousands of dollars each year and hundreds of thousands over a lifetime because of gender and racial wage gaps. I'm committed to building an economy where my daughters have the same rights and opportunities as my sons. Uh, it's always interesting to me when they use children to make their points. And they think that that, of course, the reason they do is they think it makes it more powerful. You say, even a child, even a, even a, a child can understand that why this isn't, isn't right. That there's, a, there's a gender wage gap. Even a child can understand that. No, it's not even a child. It's that, um, of course, a child will, will have this view of it. If, if you say to a child, you know, uh, Men, men go out and work, and there are uh, women who go out and work. And if you add up all the money that men make and women make, uh, men make a little bit more. Now, if you say that to a child in, in, their, in their childlike mind, they're going to just assume that this must be you know, evidence that there's some sort of plot to stop women from, from earning more. They're not going to ask questions like, well, are we comparing 
uh, people who work in the same industries? Are we, are we comparing men in one industry with women in the same industry? Are we factoring in things like hours worked, experience level, uh, skill, qualifications, um, all of that kind of thing? Are, are, we, are we taking into account things like men are more willing to uh, move for a job than women are. Men are more willing to take on extra hours than women are. Men are much more likely to do dangerous jobs, and the dangerous jobs very often will pay more. I mean, working on an oil rig, for example, is a well-paying gig, uh, and it's also dangerous. A child's not going to ask any of those questions. Okay, so this, so Charlotte, who's however old she is, let's assume she's seven or eight years old or something, she's not going to ask that because she's a kid. And so when you tell her about the, quote, wage gap, that's all she's going to think is, well, okay, well, there must, be, there must be some evil plan out there to stop girls from making more. Um, but it's adults who are supposed to be able to understand that there are a lot of other factors to take into account here. And you can't just do a generalized comparison between all women in the workplace place, and all men. That doesn't make any sense to do that. So all he's really proving is that um, the, the, the leftist view of the so-called gender wage gap is childish. It's the kind of thing that resonates with a small child. And when you become older and you understand a little bit more about how the world works and you also understand how statistics work, uh, that's when you can understand that this is all nonsense. All right, here's a... Uh, Article from the Daily Mail says, Netflix has quietly canceled a woke animated kid show which features a bison who comes out as non-binary to its grandmother. Ridley Jones released its fifth and final season last week, which was not given any promotion, according to, according to the show's creator, uh, Chris Nee. The two-time kids screen award winner and Emmy nominee series uh, received harsh criticism online following the release of episode eight of season five called Herd Day, which centers around a bison called Fred, who comes out as non-binary to their grandmother, who's voiced by Sidney Lauper. Some viewers blasted the show on Twitter, claiming Fred's non-binary identity was slipped into the show's narrative. So, the, okay, so the series is called Ridley Jones, about a bison. I've never even heard of this show before. One viewer asked, quote, do your kids watch Ridley Jones? It features a female bison who identifies as neither male nor female, and wants to be referred to with they, them pronouns. Quietly slipped in there, drip, 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 what a message to send to young girls in particular. The creator, who's a lesbian mom, addressed the cancellation in a tweet last Wednesday. Says, doesn't surprise me that Netflix has quietly dumped the first uh, preschool show that has a non-binary character coming out. I realize in this day and age, dumped means many things, just zero promotion of the episode. First of all, I'm pretty sure this is not. Unfortunately, I wish I could say that this was the first preschool show that has a non-binary character. I'm pretty sure that's not the case. I mean, they've got, you know, they're, they're doing a pride parades and drag queens in Blue's Clues now. So this is ground that has been tread before, but I think we have the clip from the show. Let's watch that. Name Fred. That's because I'm non-binary and Fred is the name that fits me best. And I also use they and them because calling me a she or a he doesn't feel right to me. I'm sorry I used the wrong name and pronouns. Well, exactly as we, exactly as we were told. A, uh, a non-binary bison in the kids' show. And it is, uh, it's, it is at least encouraging that this show is a total flop, and now it's being quiet. You know, of course, Netflix isn't going to make a, a big scene about it, but... Um, it's a flop. People aren't interested. People don't want this. And now they have to cancel the show. That is, that is encouraging. Because as much as, uh, you know, we have a problem with woke parents who want to uh, indoctrinate their kids into this, what we see is that still the vast majority of parents do not want this. They're not interested in it. And that includes plenty of parents who otherwise might be mistakenly okay with some of this kind of stuff. There are probably still, and this, this is uh, changing as the woke crowd becomes ever more radicalized by the day, but there are still plenty of parents who would say something like, well, uh, you know, non-binary, I support that. You know, they would legitimize the idea of being non-binary, but they still, 
they're not going to sit their kid down to watch a show with that stuff in it. And then there's also a, a group of parents who, who would support that and might even say that they would sit their kids down to watch something like this. But then in reality, they're not going to. Um, so that's the positive anyway. This is from The Blaze. It says, a transgender UK doctor known for being a fatness advocate expressed outrage that thin people were being celebrated for the whale uh, movie at the Oscar awards ceremony on Sunday. The movie about a man dealing with his obesity problem and directed by Darren Aronofsky garnered Oscar awards for best makeup and hairstyling and for best actor. Dr. Asher Laramie, who uh, also identifies as non-binary, of course, unleashed a furious tirade on Twitter over the fat phobic incident. Quote, once again, just a reminder that The Whale was written by, directed by, and produced by four thin, white, rich, able-bodied, cisgender men. Oh, and check it out. Uh, check out its fat star who was celebrated and honored at the Oscars last night. What an effing joke. Laramie added, quote, are we able to wrap our heads around this one yet, folks? Someone won an Oscar for making Brendan Fraser a currently straight-sized man. Wait, what? Straight-sized man? Is that what we're uh, referring to? Someone, someone who's not, uh, you know, overly obese is straight-sized? Anyway, someone won an Oscar for making Brendan Fraser, a currently straight-sized man, look fat. No one else finds this disturbing? Well, no, no one else finds this disturbing because it's, uh, it's acting. And there's all, and yet again, there's this, uh, you know, on, on one hand, we live in a culture that is extremely paranoid about appropriation. And, and that's what this is. It's considered appropriation. And at the exact same time, you have what we talked about in the opening monologue with Dylan Mulvaney, which is an example of actual appropriation. Because what is appropriation? You know, in, in, a, in a movie... It's like, we're not supposed to actually believe that Brendan Fraser is a 600-pound man. It's a, it's a film. He is, he is openly portraying a character. No one's pretending otherwise. He's not identifying as this character. He's just, he's telling a story. And to be able to, we've talked about this before, but, it, you know, this is supposed to be, I would think, the real art of acting. And if there's any anything honorable about the profession, it, if there is anything, it would be this, that... Uh, you, you have to have, you know, in order to, to inhabit um, a character that is not you and to be able to do it persuasively, you have to have some kind of empathy, you know, and that's what makes, I watched the movie, that's what makes it a, a compelling performance is that even though Brendan Fraser is not a 600-pound man uh, who's living through the last, what's going to end up being the last week of his life, spoiler alert, um, you still, while you're watching the story, you believe it. And in order for him to make you believe it, he has to kind of understand this character in a way. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it is an empathetic performance. And uh, almost any good performance is. But it's also not appropriation because, again, it is, it is, it is uh, everyone understands that it is a performance. He's not taking ownership of this and saying, oh, I now identify as a 600-pound man. On the other hand, you have someone like Dylan Mulvaney who is actually trying to take Yes, it's a performance, but he's trying to take ownership of the performance and say, this is really me. This is who I am. So that's appropriation. But we have it exactly flipped around. Meanwhile, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis won a, an Oscar for her role in uh, the film Everything Everywhere All at Once, which uh, I did watch that one. I, well, I watched two-thirds of it, and I couldn't get through the rest. And I, I don't often... You know, I'll turn. A, I'll frequently turn a movie off in the first five minutes because it's not worth my time. If I got two thirds of the way through, I almost always finish because you figure, well, I've made it this far. I've already wasted my time. I might as well see how it all ends. But this film was so obnoxious and pointless that I couldn't. I, I couldn't do it anymore, and I turned it off. But she won the Oscar anyway for a, a small role, and here she is talking about her uh, Oscar trophy. Hey. Oh, look at this! <laughs> here, here they are. <laughs> Have we named her? Who was her? I, I, I'm in support of my daughter Ruby. I'm, I'm having them be a they them. Oh. Um, I'm, I'm gonna just call them them. They oh. them. And oh. um, they are doing great. Oh. And uh, they're settling in. Um, and um, I couldn't. I mean, I just. 
in my life. I never thought in a million years that I would have this couple days. And I'm, I'm um, very, very moved by the whole thing. Wow. Oh, that's powerful. Her Oscar trophy is a they, them. You know, I saw someone, uh, I, I don't know, I confess I don't know anything at all about Jamie Lee Curtis's, um, uh, you know, her, her personal life and, and her biographical details. But I saw someone on Twitter mention this, that she has, I guess, two kids. And one of them is, uh, identifies as a, I think, a non-binary trans furry or something and is a YouTuber. Um, furry demon, I, I think. And that's Ruby. And then Jamie Lee Curtis also has a, a, a daughter, a real daughter, who's like a normal person and is a teacher or something and works with, uh, works with kids and, and people with, uh, with uh, disabilities. And yet she spends most of her time talking about the trans furry, you know, YouTuber. That's who she apparently is the most proud of. Tells you everything you need to know about Hollywood, I suppose. Let's get to the comment section. Are you tired of uh, making doctor's appointments, waiting in long lines, and feeling embarrassed to discuss sensitive health concerns? With RexMD, you don't have to. RexMD uh, understands that no one likes to go to the doctor's office. That's why they've created a safe online platform for men to discreetly consult cons uh, consult with licensed physicians and get personalized treatment plans. RexMD makes it easy and inexpensive to get generic and branded uh, Viagra or Cialis online. There's no waiting rooms. There's no embarrassing trips to the, to the doctor. There's no insurance. There's no co-pays. It's all upside with just a few clicks of a button. You can uh, talk to a medical professional create a personalized plan, and get the product shipped straight to your door. RexMD doesn't just offer ED medication. They also offer medications that help with uh, hair growth, pain relief, sleep aid. Unlike other brands, RexMD is FDA-approved, clinically tested, and a U.S.-licensed pharmacy. RexMD has already helped over 300,000 guys gain confidence quickly and conveniently. They're here to help you, too. Take advantage of their best deal yet at RexMD.com Walsh and save up to 90% off by paying only $2 per dosage. That's rexmd.com slash Walsh for up to 90% off. Go to rexmd.com for more details and safety information. I have to briefly mention this because uh, my wife, though being a great woman, as mentioned earlier, also uh, almost got herself canceled today. She almost made it into the daily cancellation. It's been a little while since she's been there, and uh, she, she almost earned another trip. So here's what she did. She, she went out, and I can't... Don't ask me to explain this because I can't. But she went out and bought harmonicas, harmonicas for all of our kids, except the two babies. So she didn't get harmonicas for the infants, at least. So for the four kids, she got harmonicas. Again, can't explain why. Can't even theorize. But she got them all harmonicas. And so this is what my house sounded like all weekend. Yeah, you can hear my six-year-old silence everyone for a moment so that they can hear his uh, harmonica solo. And that was, my, that was my life all weekend. It was just that. I kept confiscating the harmonicas, and, but then they would end up back in circulation again. And uh, I, you know, I, I, would, I took them out to eat on Saturday at a restaurant. Two of them pulled out their harmonicas at the, at the restaurant and started playing them. My daughter started playing harmonica in the car, almost drove into a tree. And I, the thing is, I, this is what makes it... I like the harmonica, or at least I used to. And so we're, we're driving in the car, and all the songs I put on that are on my Spotify playlist, all of them have, have, have harmonicas in them. Because you know, prior to this, I thought that there's no bad way to play a harmonica, and a harmonica improves every song. And uh, so I put, you know, I'm just listening to music, the kids are in the car, and my, my daughter pulls out the harmonica, starts playing along to the music debunking my theory about a harmonica making everything sound better. It was like being followed around by a, by a, like a blues traveler cover band all weekend. The good news now is that they've all been lost. So that's, you know, you, you buy your kids a noisy toy and within uh, three, three, four days, they're all gone. 
Uh, and when I say lost, I mean, quote unquote, they've been lost. I don't know what happened to them. William Baker says, I was in Nashville and saw a bachelorette party with their cash app handle displayed. I did the fair and equitable thing and requested $5 from them. They still have not paid. Uh, I, I think that's a great response. That's what people need to start doing. This is a big thing in Nashville. I don't know. I've complained before about this. I don't know how common it is. I do a fair amount of traveling. I don't see it as much in other cities, but in particular because Nashville is unfortunately the bachelorette party capital of the, of the world, uh, we get a lot of this, of you know, women driving around in their cars with their cash app or Venmo or whatever proudly displayed on their windshield, panhandling. And these are often like, it's, it's okay, if you're a woman, you, ca- you came with all your friends to Nashville for a bachelorette party, that already tells me, you might not be rich, but you're not impoverished. If you've got the money to go to another city for a, for a to party all weekend, then uh, you're, not, uh, you're not exactly a person in need. And yet, they, there's no compunction about, essentially, you put it on your windshield, then every single person who happens to be behind you in traffic, you're asking them for money. Um, no shame at all. Jared says, I had the opposite problem as Kaepernick. I asked my parents for a rat tail, and they were 100% on board. Now I have pictures of myself with a rat tail hairstyle and a uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sweater. Well, that was just the 90s for you. But that is, uh, it just goes to show. It's like we talked about during the headlines. You know, you can't, you cannot say yes to everything your kids want. And in the 90s, for some reason, there were a lot of parents who said yes to the rat tail. And I, even at the time, I never quite understood that. I mean, it's, you call the hairstyle a rat tail. It doesn't even sound appealing based on the, based on the name. And yet there are many parents. And now their, their children have to live with those uh, photos in circulation for the rest of their lives. Um, Kitty Gaming Tunes says, says, I'd like to see Matt Walsh debate Dylan Mulvaney. That'd be a fun video idea. Well, that would... <laughs> that would certainly never happen. Uh, none of these people are going to put themselves in a position, intentionally put themselves in a position of being uh, of being scrutinized. I think that's one thing that we've that we've learned. Becca says, "I'll be honest. Up until recently, I was very left wing, very liberal. I heard all the nasty things said about Matt Walsh, and I believe them. But to make a long story short, after digging around for myself and actually watching your content, I'm really, really, really starting to question my political opinions." I've always thought the gender ideology stuff was kind of strange, but I figured it was probably some kind of internalized insert, insert buzzword phobia. Now I'm thinking that my first reaction was right. It is strange, and worse than that, it's wrong and dangerous. That has led me to questioning a lot of stuff, and it's also led to me beginning to really love your videos and all that you're doing, Mr. Walsh. Keep it up because you're changing people and doing good. Well, Beck, I appreciate that, um, although I'm... I'm uh, Sorry, I have to be the one to tell you this, but you don't exist, Becca. I don't know if you realize that, but you don't exist. At least I've been told. I've been reliably informed that people like you don't exist. That would be someone on the left who can be persuaded by simple, sometimes blunt arguments that are presented without, you know, a lot of, uh, without going out of the way to make them, make it, you know, make it gentle and give a soft landing. Now, that's what I'm told. Like the way that I approach things, it could never be persuasive to someone like you. So either what I'm being told is wrong or you don't exist. I don't know. We'll have to think about that. What if I told you there's one book that has done more for literacy than any other book? It's shaped literature, art, culture, government, countless lives. I'm, of course, referring to uh, Johnny the Walrus. No, I'm referring to the Bible, actually. Johnny the Walrus is second place. You know who else is, uh, has uh, it's had an influence on? That is Jordan Peterson. In addition to his Exodus series, Jordan has a documentary called Logos and Literacy, where he traces the Bible through history to show you the impact it's had on the Western world. Uh, here's the trailer. Check it out. I was very much struck by how the translation of the biblical writings jump-started the development of literacy across the entire world. Illiteracy was the norm. The pastor's home was the first school, and every morning it would begin with singing. The Christian faith is a singing religion. Probably 80% of scripture memorization today exists only because of what is sung. This is amazing. Here we have a Gutenberg Bible, Bible printed on the press of Johann Gutenberg. 
science and religion are opposing forces in the world, but historically that has not been the case. Now the book is available to everyone. From Shakespeare to modern education and medicine and science to, to civilization itself. It is the most influential book in all of history, and hopefully people can walk away with at least a sense of that. Now, you know, this is the part where I normally tell you that Logos and Literacy is only for Daily Wire Plus members, but actually we're making it available for free for everyone at dailywireplus.com. But it's only for a limited time. We don't do this very often, so take advantage of it. Go watch Logos and Literacy today at dailywireplus.com. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Last week, The Daily Wire published the book Stolen Youth by Carol Markowitz and uh, Bethany Mandel. And the book exposes the left's assault on childhood, which is waged largely through indoctrination campaigns by the media, the education system, the entertainment business, and of course, the medical industry. It's an important book on a crucial topic. I'd recommend that you pick up a copy and give it a read. Of course, the problem with writing a book is that once it comes out, you have to promote it. And promoting it means you have to do an ungodly number of interviews where you answer the same sorts of questions over and over and over and over again. And you would hope that the repetition would make you sharper. You know, you have better honed answers each time, but it doesn't always work out that way. The excessive exposure to cameras and microphones can instead lead to minor flubs and gaffes, brain farts, to use the medical term. Um, And this wouldn't be a huge deal, except for the fact that we live in the era of social media where the peanut gallery is looking for any opportunity to turn a brief mental lapse into an entire news cycle. That's what happened uh, this week to one of the authors of the book, Bethany Mandel, when she appeared on a show called Rising yesterday to promote her book. She was asked in the interview to define the word woke. And after being asked that question, Mandel momentarily fumbled over the answer. And that was all the left-wing mob needed. Her name was soon trending nationwide. Thousands of people jumping on the dog pile. There were articles published in mainstream media outlets like the Washington Post and the Independent. Uh, The left ruthlessly mocked her for not having a pithy definition of woke ready to go, claiming that this lapse somehow proves that the conservative critique of wokeness is illegitimate. The Washington Post uh, headline summarizes this line of thinking. It said, quote, a viral moment reinforces the hollowness of woke as an attack. Meanwhile, leftists on social media claimed that the viral moment is evidence somehow that the term woke is a bigoted term. A guy named Torre posted, quote, at this point, woke is a slur. The way the right uses it is an undercover way of saying those people or non-white people. It's a polite way of saying the N-word. But in this case, the N-word includes blacks, LGBTQ folks, and other marginalized groups. Well, of course, you know, obviously woke is a racial slur. It's a term conservatives use after all, which means that it's racist automatically. Whatever else we could say about it, we must begin by calling it racist and also end by calling it racist because of course everything is racist. As for the clip that has provoked all of this reaction, um, let's just watch that and then we'll discuss. Here it is. And Americans consider themselves very liberal. And probably fewer of them consider themselves to be woke. And so, you know, when, when well, we talk about traditional you? Right, could, could, would you mind defining woke? Because it's come up a couple of times, and I just want to make sure we're on the same page. So, I mean, woke is sort of the idea that um, I. This is going to be one of those moments that goes viral. I mean, woke is something that's very hard to define, and we've spent an entire chapter defining it. It is sort of the understanding that we need to re- to- totally reimagine and re- re- redo society in order to create hierarchies of oppression. Um, sorry, I, it's, it's hard to explain in a 15-second soundbite. Yeah, look, your it- time. Okay, so two points here. First... If I was asked to define woke, I would say that it's a cult or a secular religion, which um, teaches that society is systemically oppressive towards certain supposedly marginalized groups. The cult believes that our institutions were built expressly with the purpose of oppressing these groups. And the only way to combat the oppression is to tear down the institutions and restructure them according to the doctrines of the cult. Nothing can exist for its own sake when it comes to wokeness. No institution can have any purpose above or beyond the enforcement of those doctrines. The ultimate goal, according to the cult, 
is equity. And equity simply means that the imagined oppression of their favored groups has been counteracted by policies that artificially elevate those same groups. And of course, in the woke religion, the Satan figure is the heterosexual white male. And uh, each member of this group inherits the collective guilt of the oppressor. In fact, you could probably define the term woke this way too. A woke person is anyone who thinks that heterosexual white males are the villains of history. If they hold that belief, then it's almost always certain that the the rest of it will, will come with it. Now, if some conservatives struggle maybe to define the term woke, it's only because they're being too generous. You know, there are some on the right who want to see the woke left as distinct from the left generally. They seek to define wokeness in a way that lets what they consider to be the average leftist off the hook. But there's no way to do that. Wokeness is just another term for leftism. You can also define it that way. What is, what's a woke person? A leftist. That's, that's, that's what we're talking about. There is no daylight between like the, the stereotypical blue-haired, woke, TikTok, they, them, and, uh, and the most mainstream Democrat political figure. Okay, there's, there's no daylight ideologically between these two. They are identical ideologically. The term woke only becomes complicated and hard to define when you're trying to find some way to differentiate mainstream leftism from wokeness. But they can't be differentiated. Woke is, a, is another word for leftist, which is why I personally don't use the term woke very often because leftist suffices just fine. Second point, um, leftists, you know, the, the woke crowd, whatever you want to call them, they are certainly not in a position to make fun of anyone else for struggling to define a word. If there's another defining feature of wokeness is that it's, it creates a world governed from top to bottom by double standards. And here we find yet another one. These people can't objectively define any of the terms they use, and yet they point and laugh at someone else for fumbling over a definition. Most infamously, of course, they can't define the word woman. But the difference between woman and woke is that the latter is an ideology, which means that it actually is a human construct. It actually is uh, somewhat fluid and, and changing. It really does exist on a spectrum of sorts. You know, that's ideologies really do exist on a spectrum. There are bits of it, many bits, in fact, that are murky and vague. This means that it's not terribly shocking or hilarious when a person fails to come up with a pithy definition on the spot. I can guarantee that none of these leftists making fun of Bethany Mandel would, would perform any better if we asked them to define fascism on the spot. And although they throw the term fascism around all over the place, I wouldn't necessarily blame them for not having a one-sentence definition ready to go because ideologies are a bit more complicated than that and a bit more um, abstract and sometimes ambiguous. Woman, on the other hand, is not an ideology. Woman is an objective biological reality. Human beings didn't invent womanhood the way that we invent ideologies. It's not an idea. It's not a political concept. Woman has a basic one-sentence definition, adult human female, that every rational person should know and should be able to cite whenever asked. And yet the left, the woke mob, cannot provide this definition. I mean, Mandel briefly struggled to define an idea. That's what she's being. How do you define this idea? Well, these people struggle to define ideas, but they also struggle to define literally everything else, including the fundamental biological realities of nature. You know, it's, it's one thing to put an ideological label on someone else and then briefly struggle to define that label. Um, it's another thing entirely to label yourself something, like saying, I identify as a woman, and then being completely unable to define what you labeled yourself. Okay, because that's, that's the gotcha moment here, right? They say, the, the left, they say, well, you're, you, you, you call all these people woke, and then we ask you what you mean by woke, and you can't tell us. Well, no, we can tell you. It just it might take more than one sentence, but we can tell you. Meanwhile, you're calling yourself something that you can't then explain. How much more ridiculous is that? It's not just a minor gaffe or a gotcha moment. Rather, it reveals the fundamental incoherence of your entire worldview. But that, again, is another feature of wokeness. Perhaps it's a defining feature before anything else. It is an ideology that contradicts and negates itself at every turn. An ideology that asserts things as true and yet denies that truth exists. It is an ideology of confusion, most of all. Maybe that's how we would define it.
Wokeness is confusion made into an ideology. I think that works too. And that is why Bethany Mandel is not canceled. Instead, her woke cancelers are today canceled. And that'll do it for the show today. As we uh, move over to the members block, if you want to join us for that, you can become a member and use code Walsh at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Hope to see you there. If not, talk to you tomorrow. Godspeed.